We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for October 24, 2010. And uh, the third part, we're going to be, well, at least the initial part of the third part, we're going to be getting into some testimonies, feedback, questions, and requests. Uh, first email I received. Now, I'm only putting up a fraction of what I normally get on a given week. I, there's just no way I could possibly go over all the, the emails. And a lot of them are, you know, not even, you know, there might be a question about a particular thing that I just sent a Word document on or something like that. But um, these were, these were uh, I thought they were kind of interesting. I thought they my listeners might want to hear some of these. Uh, this one is, uh, I, I, what I'll do a lot on these is I'll hide the names and the, the email addresses for anonymity purposes. This isn't really one of those like that, but um, I go ahead if there's any doubt, and I, I will hide the name and, and the email address. Uh, it starts out by saying, Hello, Brother Johnson. I'm of Hispanic descent. Both my parents are Hispanic, and I could not agree with you more about the evils of illegal immigration. Because, as you know, we did a, a teaching, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, regarding that, and um, I had read a email I had gotten from one of my Listeners who was <clears throat> of Hispanic, he was strongly disagreeing with my stance on illegal immigration. And again, I what I simply did is boiled it back to the fact that <laughs> they're here illegally, it's, but they don't want to hear that. that. That that's irrelevant to them. And I just will consistently point that out. There's no other country that you can do that on. In in the planet, you can't and and you try to do it in Mexico, and see what see what happens down there. I mean, you'll be, you know, all your property will be seized. You'll be deported. You'll be imprisoned. The whole nine yards. They don't mess around down there. But it's okay. It's like this double standard for them to come here and to do so legally and have all the benefits. And that's all I all I'm trying to point out it has nothing to do with me being prejudiced in any way, shape, or form. And I had said if I were to do this, it would be is equally as wrong for me to do it as it is for them to do it. So I'm not holding them to a standard or a, a level of accountability I'm not holding myself to. So he said, I'm of Hispanic descent. Both my parents are Hispanic. I cannot agree with you more about the evils of illegal immigration. Sadly, many Hispanics profess themselves to be Christians and allow a strong cultural identity to trump biblical principles, especially on this issue. This should not be so. Mark 7.13 says, Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. It's one of my favorite verses. Which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. Then he goes on to say, Our first and really only allegiance should be to God and his word. Nothing, not even our nationality or ethnicity, should trump our obedience to the Lord. As a Hispanic, against the unlawful invasion of our country, I've experienced these kind of arguments from other Hispanics. I actually used to attend a Spanish-speaking charismaniac church <laughs> that helped and encouraged church members to come here illegally. Yeah, so he actually went to a church where they encouraged... Well, they're, they're increasing their congregations. You know, I'm sorry, but there's churches in America that build themselves... Literally, uh, the vast majority of their congregation are legal aliens. 
or illegal immigrants, or whatever, whatever you want to phrase them as. And um, they're encouraging this law-breaking. Well, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're providing a place for these people to come. I, I believe they're also, what they're doing is they're condoning their sin. And to them, they figure, well, hey, if we're here and we're in this American church and they're condoning us, we mu- what we must be doing must not be wrong. There's no, there's no uh, level of chastisement from the church. I mean, obviously, that's how they're, they're most likely deriving their income then, you know, through, through the tithes and offerings of these illegal aliens. I never really covered that subject, but I know for a fact there's churches that are built on this. And, you know, for the church to participate in this, you know, they're going to have to be the one that stands before God to give an account. You know, so, anyway, I've actually, um, then he goes on to say, they feel like this is a noble thing in being Christ-like, but they are deceived. Not that you need my affirmation. The Bible has already affirmed your stance on this issue, but great job exposing these deceptions. God bless you and your family. Yes, God bless you. Um, I just left, his name is V. Um, and let's go further here. Next email. This I got this October 21st. Uh, Dr. J, thanks again for the two links. I was just listening to your 10 and 17 broadcast. It is true about the weapons from the government. <clears throat> I'm a police supervisor. And our M16s, I believe those are like an assault weapon, are from FEMA. They informed us at any time they could retrieve them if they needed them. We have to maintain an accurate account daily. Keep doing what you're doing. God bless you and yours. So I had got into this in the last teaching where we gave a testimony after, uh, I wish to say testimony, but email account after email account after email account where all of a sudden they're taking all of these strange inventories and a lot of their excess inventory at many of these local police pl- uh, stations are being picked up. They're, 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 they're de-arming much of the local police force, in other words. And then we talked about the U.S. Marshals having this in-service training where they were going to be called out of state and they were going to have to turn in their weapons when they did this. And this was a real bad sign regarding what may be coming in the very near future. And again, I don't want to rehash and get back into that. Listen to my last teaching on it. It would be for the 17th, I believe. Uh, 10, 17, 10, if you haven't heard that. And uh, again, I, I tell you these things so you can pray about them, not so we can sit here and live in abject fear. Uh, and to prepare, because there's going to come a day in time this stuff's going to go down in America. And um, it's just kind of a matter of time how it actually goes down and when. Well, I don't know that, but I want to try to prepare my listeners as much as possible for that eventuality. Let's go further. This is one from Pastor Waite. And it's just a request, and I told him I put it in my newsletter. And um, it's entitled, Can You Help One of Our Bible for Today Baptist People? Uh, He says, I don't ask for myself or the church, but for a single lady in great need. Through the storms and winds, her roof has a hole in it, and rain and snow come into her house, uh, or actually coming into her house directly now. And um, snow is going to be coming in as winter's approaching. If you want to help, 
and can help, you can do one of two things. You can go to BibleFortoday.org, and I give you a link here, BibleFortoday.org, and make an online donation and market Ruth. Now, I've, I've known, personally known, Pastor D.A. Waite for a long time. He's a man of the highest integrity. He's been defending the KJV uh, in the underlying texts of the KJV, the underlying Hebrew and Greek, the majority text, the received text, the Byzantine text, however you want to phrase that, for over 60 years. Yes, you heard me. 60 plus years. He started this in like the 1940s. So I really don't know a guy, a man out there that's been doing it as long as he has. And he has a lot of biblical balance when it comes to the KJV issue. He's not in the, and I'm not either, in what you would term as the KJV only crowd, like Ruckman and Gail Ripplinger, who's totally went off the deep end. Uh, and if you need confirmation on that, just email me, I'll get you the, the document. She's actually in a gigantic war, or has been, you know, trying to get into a legal battle with Dr. Waite. And, uh, anyway they actually will elevate the King James above the underlying texts upon which they were derived from. The, um, the um, Textus Receptus and the Hebrew Masoretic Text. They're, they're actually elevating the KJV above the underlying text which they were derived from. Those are the people that can call themselves, they call themselves KJV only. Now, I get lumped into that just because... I'm a staunch defender of the King James Version. But I am not that, okay? I'm not going to be put into that camp. And I won't let myself be. And, um, um, you know, the underlying texts are equally as valid, in other words, okay, as the King James. And this is all we're saying. In the English-speaking language, the King James Version is the most superior text out there. The other thing, the only other thing you've got available essentially, are the modern-day versions derived from the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus, who were translated by two high-level occultists named Westcott and Hort. In 1881, they created their masterpiece, the Revised Version, which has literally pretty much spawned every other modern-day version that we have today. So you find yourself in a quandary if you want to use one of these other versions, which were spawned from a two totally corrupt Catholic uh, underlying texts that I mentioned earlier, the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus, they disagreed in so many places that they finally, the, the rule they developed when they were translating this 1881 revised version was, well, whenever they contradict each other, we'll just use the Vaticanus. The Vaticanus was literally found at the Vatican and the Sinaiticus was found at, in a trash can at the base of a monastery in Mount Sinai at a, at a really creepy Catholic monastery. That's where it was found. So this is the underlying text of these other versions. And I've done a whole bunch of studies on defending the King James. You can go up to YouTube and key in Scott Johnson and KJV or King James and and if you want to know. Or you can go to Bible for Today. I mean, he's, well, I don't want to say infinitely, but I mean, he's, he's that's his whole life. This issue, okay? Defending the King James in the underlying Greek and Hebrew. So, I don't know of anybody that knows more than D.A. Wade in regard to that subject. 
I wouldn't even think to even try to compare myself. So again, we, we can't all be, you know, the be-all expert in every single area, okay? Um, whereas he is in that in that particular area, um, and he's a pastor as well. Um, or you can actually send the gift to Bible for Today Baptist Church, 900 Park Avenue, Collingswood, New Jersey, <clears throat> 08108, and mark the donation roof. And uh, it says 100% of your gifts will go to this dear, faithful, born-again Christian lady. So, sounds like a very worthy cause. And I just wanted to put that out there for the teaching. Next email from John. <clears throat> and um, he's writing me, and he says, Just wanted to thank you for your recent message regarding the video games. I have struggled with my gaming addiction for years at 33 years of age. I have known well in recent years that these games have been a bondage in my life, yet I always gave myself excuses for keeping them. Uh, The games Call of Duty and many other online first-person shooter games are very addictive. Needless to say, I packed up every game and have them in the garbage bag, and they will be in the dump soon. $2,000 worth of video games gone. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask God to give me the strength to never look back and keep me focused on Jesus because that is where my heart wants to be. Thank, thanks a lot. God bless. So, praise the Lord. Uh, and again, I, I mentioned these people also said that you can pray for them. And um, I, I can't tell you how many. I'm, I'm only going to read you a fraction of the ones I've got like that. I had a couple people kind of not really trying to not totally disagreeing with me about the video games. They were they were saying there's other video games that are... And I agree, I understand there's other video games that are not so abjectly evil in, in these types of things. Uh, I still think we have to kind of be, you know, worried that we don't get hooked on any one particular thing. It becomes an idol in our life. But uh, these types of video games are really overtly evil. I mean... So let's go further. Next email... Uh, this is from Matticuck, and he says, I have now uninstalled my World of Warcraft folder. It is a stumbling block. I'm totally glad I got rid of it. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Another one from Kirby. He says, this is regard to World of Warcraft. Hi, Scott. I want to say I've listened to you for over two years, and I want to say that God has been working with me throughout the time on my gaming habits. I won't go into details, but I didn't enjoy my childhood for many reasons, and I turned to gaming as a way to escape reality. I completely agree with everything you said and your teaching on the subject and how selfish it is. I used to think to myself how I have to eventually get rid of my gaming habits, especially if I were to ever get married. I had banished gaming out of my life after I got saved, but it only lasted for a few months. I also want to say that these games like World of Warcraft have methods to where you can just download them off the internet so you don't have to actually have the physical game in your house to play it. Because uh, I was saying, you know, if you have them, get rid of them. But yeah, that's true. I mean, you could just get it off the internet, and that way, it's a lot more insidious. It's a lot. It's a lot more easily accessible. Obviously, that way. Uh, it says I also want to say that upon listening to your teaching, I have ins- uninstalled all games off my computer, and I'm afraid that eventually. But I'm afraid that the event, this will, the desire will eventually come back. Can you please give me some advice of some sort? To be honest with you, I find life in general to be very boring. And I know that sounds selfish because it is. 
but I find it's hard to socialize with others because of what I've been through. Any advice or direction would be appreciated. Now, I'm going to get into some proactive ways that we can deal with... Um, well, deal, basically what you're dealing with are devils and demons and, and temptation. And I'm going to give you some biblical proactive ways to do that a little bit later after I get through these, these uh, requests and testimonies and things like that. Here's another one. This is from Eric. He says, Amen, great teaching three years ago. This would have inflamed me with rage. And this is the on the teaching I did on uh, video games. He says, but the Lord got to me before this teaching, and I've since dumped all my Halo games, Gunner, and many shoot 'em up games, Grand Theft Auto, etc. Perverse evil. At 21, I got to thinking, okay, why is a gratuitous violence, virtual murder, still entertaining? So I smashed a ton of very expensive games and never looked back. Amen, this teaching is faithful and true. I just wanted to encourage you in case the enemy ever gets you, gets you start to believe in that your teachings have overstepped the line. Thank you, Eric. God bless you. Uh, next one's from Daryl. Again, this, these are all on the, the game one. I got a lot of feedback on this particular one. Uh, he, he says, Mario and Mario Kart have obelisks in the Egyptian desert levels. I've seen those. I've seen that game, and I, I have seen those obelisks. And again, an obelisk is nothing more than a glorified male phallus symbol. That's all it is, Okay. And here we have the biggest one in the, on the planet um, at, you know, in the middle of Washington, D.C. It should tell us something, you know. And the other two biggest ones are, one's in Vatic- the Vatican and the other one's in um, London. So, I mean, the three, the three major hubs of the world when it comes to world domination and control, literally, Washington, D.C., Vatican City, and London. So... And London, the the inner conclave of London, where all the all the banking and all the that stuff is controlled. And then he goes on to say, um, Tekken, which is a fighting game, had an Anubis, the god of the dead, in front of the Mayan temple. We talked about Anubis a little while ago. How they had actually brought that Anubis through New York Harbor, and um, how they had that statue up at the Denver International Airport. Anubis being, being the god of death, and we did. It, I don't know when it was. It was a few, three, four months ago, probably. Um, and then he says a character named Lilith and Marduk. <laughs> We've talked about Lilith extensively uh, on the teaching I did on the Bohemian Grove, and uh, Lilith meaning the the goddess of death, child sacrifice. Uh, Sexual perversion. Marduk being one of the, the um, devil, fallen angelic deities that uh, people, particularly in the uh, like biblical times, would sacrifice children to. So this is really evil stuff they've got going on here. And then he said, racing games have weird rock music in the background. In Madden, the player with the football has a pentagram on him, and it points either up or down depending on which way you're going. Wow. Now, if you remember, I had just talked about, you know, white witchcraft has the pentagram where they're pointing up, black where the pentagram's pointing down. So, yeah, there, there, you could probably do, <laughs> I could probably do like a 50-hour study. If we were to go through, oh no, probably 100, if we were to like go through with a fine-tooth comb all the video games and pick out all the demonic garbage, and... I mean, it's all, at bare minimum, 
it's, well, it's evil, but it's all, also, a lot of this is subliminal, demonic programming on a subliminal... You may not even understand what any of those images mean. They might not mean a thing to you. But the devil knows what they mean. And if you're constantly setting that before your eyes, it's got to affect you in a negative way. I mean, you know, the Bible says I was setting a wicked thing before my eyes to abstain from all appearance of evil. And so, you know, I mean... It, it's it's impossible not to not to uh, be affected in a negative way if you're putting that in your vision all day long. So, um, okay. So next email is um, this is regarding paranormal activity. I recently found your teachings after praying earnestly to God about feeling like the last Christian on earth. I love what you teach, and I'm very thankful for your ministry. I can't tell you how many listeners I get that will say. Something kind of similar about they feel like they're the last, there's nobody that they can talk to, there's, you know, nobody understands them, and I hate to say it, but in the day and time that we're living in, there's just little, like, pockets of, now I'm not saying we're the only ones saved, okay, like my listeners and me, I'm not going to go there at all, but I think that people that have availed themselves to this type of um, ministry and teachings are at a, I mean, my word, your education level is going to be so far greater than the average church warmer, the, like pew warmer at, at a church, you know, like the frozen chosen. Oh, sorry. Anyway, um, you're going to be at a much higher level because most, for the most part, the pastors aren't educating their congregations regarding these types of matters. They're not uh, they're being totally ignorant of Satan's devices, willingly. Um, so he's going to get an advantage of them. And um, they are being destroyed for lack of knowledge, and they're being set up for a fall. A lot of them are going to get sucked into the strong delusion that's here, and it's really going to get a lot worse. And um, a lot of people that avail themselves to this type of information feel like that you know there's just hardly anyone, anybody else on the planet that they can even hardly talk to, because you're not going to find a lot of people in your local area, typically, that are receptive to this. It's just too hard. The truth is too hard for them to take. And my prayer is that hopefully, when this stuff starts to go down, a lot of people that are educated on these issues, and I've given you the whole, many of the scenarios, how how the whole New World Order is probably going to get implemented, but I'm hoping that there's a lot of people that are that are educated in these areas that will be able to actually reach out to these people who are not going to be able to get the answers at their 501c3 corporate church because the pastors aren't going to have a clue either. Most likely. Not everyone, but I'm saying the vast majority. And to actually be able to reach out to them and help them and, and, and get them up to speed. Of course, it's going to be tough because if if they're not up to speed now, you know they're going to do one of two things. They're either going to be totally receptive at that point because they they're realizing that that um, they haven't been told the full story, or they're going to totally do another uh, one eighty and not be receptive whatsoever to any kind of truth, and their their heart is going to be hardened even more than it may be now. And um, they're truly going to go down the path of strong delusion. 
So, anyway, she says, um, I love what you teach. I'm very thankful for your ministry. I'm writing with concerns and questions about the movie called Paranormal Activity and the second one that is due out sometime in October. The movie is purely demonic. My husband took me to see it. God forgive me for agreeing to go and set my eyes before such things and not even walk out. Listen, I'm not judging you. (laughs) Okay? But, I mean, God bless you. She goes on to say, The movie is based around a young woman living with her boyfriend who began to experience a kind of demonic attack. The boyfriend decides to record the goings-on of this paranormal activity, and things begin to escalate. I've never seen such a wicked, evil movie. um, I've seen excerpts from it. I haven't seen it, but uh, nor would I tell anybody to go see this. This this thing is seriously wicked. And I'm going to comment more on this in a minute, but she says, um, I've never seen such a wicked, evil movie, nor been so afraid watching one. They show scenes like a woman being possessed, watching over her boyfriend, to her being ripped from her bed and dragged down the hallway. It's absolutely disgusting. After seeing the movie, I was deeply disturbed, being extremely sensitive to such things, because when I was a child, I suffered from what I now know are demonic attacks. I could not sleep, and I felt as though something followed me out of that movie theater. It did. I'm going to confirm that in a second. It did. And just because you're a born-again Christian doesn't mean if, 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 like, and I'm not judging her in any way, shape, or form, okay? But I'm just saying, just because you're a born-again Christian doesn't mean you can't open yourself up to stuff. And again, more on that in a minute. So she goes on to say, uh, okay, I could not sleep. I felt something follow me out of the movie theater. Soon afterward, I began to experience demonic attacks in my house. Wow. Followed her right home. With demons speaking to me at night from what I thought was my husband. It was all very traumatic and trying uh, on, my, on my marriage scene as my husband just thought I was crazy. I was refusing to sleep and scared to even be in the house alone. But look what problems this caused. Her husband just bringing her there. You know? Husbands, don't bring your wives to these movies, please. You could avoid, you know, you could avoid this. <laughs> Poor thing. But let's go further. Uh, I was refusing to sleep and scared to even be in my house alone. I tried seeking help from my pastor, who really had nothing to offer, which is typical, but to look at me and think, but that isn't real. Demons don't attack people. <laughs> oh man, how pitiful. After a long time of reading the word and fasting, I finally expelled the demon from the house. Amen. But I'm going to give you some other things that, you know, not other things, but additional things that you can do regarding that. She goes on to say, now the commercials are airing for the second movie to come out. And I cannot even bear to see it. It's so evil. And I feel as though I've just even just the commercial airs in my house that something's going to gain a presence. Wow. See, that's how evil these movies, you know, have been and are becoming, and they're only going to get more evil. She goes on to say, I believe people need to understand what they're doing when they expose themselves to things like this. Amen. And the kind of power that the demon can gain. Man, this gets me fired up, this subject. This just flat gets me fired up. (laughs) She goes on to say, I think they also need to be aware of just how powerful the demon is that is over this movie. I was also wondering how much power do demons have over us? 
How can I overcome them and live in peace inside my own house? Praying God continues to bless your ministry. My response. My response is going to be a big one. Okay, it, it, because I'm going to get into a lot of other things that we can do. My short response is, thank you for your email. I agree with, I agree with you 100%. One time, I went up to a chat room for Satanists just to see what the dark side was talking about. And guess what? I saw many of them saying over and over and over again that they actually became demon-possessed or highly interested in the occult after they had seen such and such horror movie. I'm telling you, it was a common theme. Now, again, you could open yourself up to this just by playing Dungeons and Dragons. Or I believe a lot of these really, really violent first-player fantasy video games as well. Because you're opening yourself up to the occult realm. You could do that by reading the wrong book as well. Just go get the Satanic Bible and bring it into your house. I don't, I don't advise bringing that junk, garbage in your house. Those are cursed objects. I know people that have been that that got uh, I really believe demonically possessed after they read the Satanic Bible, and all they did is pick it up and read it. I had a friend from high school. I've never told the story, and it was Mike, and he was like one of my best friends. But I mean, we were like we were pretty much party animals, and we were pretty wicked, you know, the whole nine yards. And I've said a little bit about that in times past. I remember after that, after Mike read the Satanic Bible. There was like kind of like a change in him. He would come to parties, because I was always throwing parties when I was younger, in high school and stuff. And I mean, you know, doing stuff we really shouldn't be doing, getting drunk, underage, the whole nine yards. And he would come there, and he never did this up to a certain point, and I almost paused, it was after he read the Satanic Bible. He would come there, and one night I went in there, and he got a knife out of our knife drawer, and he started cutting his forehead open. And he'd cut his forehead open and blood would be pouring down. He'd just be sitting there smiling. And then he'd do it again. And he'd do it again. And I'm like, Mike, dude, you are, you need to tone it down a notch. I mean, I was probably drunk at the time myself. But I never, as drunk as I might have ever gotten, you know, I never did that. I never had no desire to start self-mutilating. What's that called, emo? Emo is this whole thing where they self-mutilate now in order to, I don't know, they say that, that literally, it, what it is is these, these kids, uh, it's very popular among young kids, but they get so demon-possessed that demons can only be appeased through self-mutilation, cutting of the flesh, or burning themselves, or whatever. I mean, it, it's it, we're talking some really demonic stuff here. So you got to be really careful what you bring into your house. And um, if you, and here's a good way to gauge it. If all of a sudden things are, are, are going fairly well for you and, and you get something and you bring something into your house and all of a sudden you start to have all kind of problems, whether they're demonic problems, whether it's problems with a particular type of temptation that you weren't having before, you might want to look at what you might have brought into your house recently. Because that sometimes is all it may be. You need to get rid of it. And again, you, you could you could do a the study on that for, for news, who knows how long, because there's just no way I can cover all types of cursed objects that you might bring into your house. Now, I'm going to give you some biblical proactive ways on dealing with evil entities. This is an attachment and but that I have, but it'll actually be in the PDF. 
connected to the 102410 teaching on contendingfortruth.com. Number one, get at least one King James Bible CD playing 24-7 in your house, wherever you are. Now, what you need to do is get a uh, CD player that runs on a continual loop that you can play and put it on repeat and then just play it continually somewhere in your house all the time. And um, I give you the whole link on the KJV as well if if you're questioning about the KJV if you don't think it makes a difference. Uh, Now go on to say, I know this might not always be feasible, but in your house is the most crucial area. These evil entities cannot stand the word of God. From what I've heard, particularly, they do not like the book of Revelation. That's the one i got playing right now in our house. 24-7. Most likely, they don't like Revelation because it reminds them of where they're going to end up. The lake of fire. Which I like to kind of remind them of that whenever I can. The Lord said, I have exalted my word above my name. So the word of God is our most powerful weapon. Jesus himself would only quote scripture to Satan when dealing with him. And it worked. I've done this for years and can attest to its effectiveness. You can leave it even playing at a low level, but the bad guys know it is there. So that's one thing you can do. Now, I I can guarantee something. (laughs) That's going to do nothing but help. (laughs) That sure couldn't hurt. You know? Second thing. Ephesians 6.11 Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So I would advise everyone to memorize and repeat this portion of Scripture daily. Uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, what if you don't put on the full armor of God? Well, well, then how are you going to stand against the wiles of the devil? It said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. Be able to stand against the wiles. It's like a foregone conclusion. Something that you should be doing. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And it says it again, it reiterates it. Whenever and In scripture, whenever something is reiterated twice, you really want to pay attention. And then it says, having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, above all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. That's why faith is so important. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Make sure you're hearing the right word of God, though. Because if you're hearing a perverted word of God, it's not going to build your faith near as, well, I'm not going to say it couldn't build your faith at all, but it's not going to build it to the same extent that hearing you know, the true word of God will do, meaning the English-speaking language of the King James Bible. And then the next verse, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Again, that's why you quote scripture. That's how Jesus dealt with Satan, okay, when he was tempted in the wilderness, quoted scripture. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The Bible says, It's not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Then it goes on to say, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, 
and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Third point, plead the blood of Jesus over your house, your property, your cars, your family, yourself, etc. Revelation 12.11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. It's another thing. Now remember, this is in a PDF format. You're going to memorize all this right now. You can go up to the PDF and, and get all this. Uh, fourth point, pray that the Lord's angels can camp around about you, your family, your house, your property. But remember, Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encampeth around about the, them that fear him and delivereth them. So if you think like God's the big guy in the sky or your heavenly bellhop, uh, this ain't going to work for you because you don't fear him. And if you don't fear him, pray for fear of God. Pray for that fear. So the fear of the Lord is connected with angelic protection and a lot of other benefits. The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and a lot of other stuff. Uh, so I would say pray for it. And um, uh, you can appropriate the protection that the fear of God will can bring you. And like I said, there's about more blessings connected with fear of the Lord than just about any other thing in the Bible, if you do a keyword search for it, in uh, Proverbs and Psalms in particular. Five, as a saved believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside us. When petitioning the Lord, use the example of the Lord's prayer by petitioning the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for whatever our prayer requests are. But remember, Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. In this case, iniquity would be unconfessed, unrepentant sin. Uh, also, we're not supposed to, as men, we're not supposed to pray with our head covered. It's another thing that I just kind of got convicted to mention. We're not supposed to pray with our hats on. That's why you remove your, your hat as a man if you pray. You're not supposed to pray with your head covered as a man. A woman is different because her hair is actually considered a covering. Her long hair, or whatever you can do in that regard. And that's a whole other subject. I have covered that. Okay, and I understand some women can't do that. I understand that, okay? I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying that, that if you can. Um, but for a man, it says that we're not supposed to pray with our head covered. So, And that's, again, that's why you'll see people remove their hats when they pray. And it is it, that is biblical. So, uh, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. In this case, iniquity would be unconfessed, unrepentant sin. So make sure that you're right with the Lord Jesus Christ, especially before going to bed. Ask the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to guard us through the Holy Spirit. This would be in addition to other things I've already mentioned in regard to prayer. Uh, I've done several studies on the biblical keys to answered prayer. Actually, that's one of the studies I've done, which you can find on, uh, well, continuefortruth.com, but I can't guarantee you right now that's going to play. But you can find it on YouTube, Scott Johnson and Kean prayer or biblical prayer you'll find it and I give you a whole bunch of so again I can't I just don't have the time to go down to every every aspect of all these I've done dedicated studies on most of these things before and uh, those are those are some things that you can do there uh, next thing pray particularly the Lord has led me to pray in the Psalms now again we don't just go around and constantly pray the Psalms, okay? But it is a tool. 
in the Bible. It is part of the Bible. There is merit to it. Just like I did a study on the Levitical dietary guidelines. Are we under the law? No. But is there still wisdom in the Levitical dietary guidelines? Absolutely. So, Psalm 64 in particular is where God's led me. I did a whole study on it, on imprecatory prayers I would highly recommend. I mean, this is something I really believe that is hardly ever, ever, ever taught in the church. You never hear it. I've heard it from one pastor over, since I've been saved. One pastor in, what, 16 years? And I heard it from another pastor who God had led him to the exact same psalm in the darkest time of his life that God led me to Psalm 64. And he led him to the exact same psalm. And I was... That was one of the most incredible moments of my life. Because I had great respect for this man. He was a man of God. I mean, hardcore. This guy had been through the ringer. Way more than anything I've ever suffered through. And... um, God led him to the same exact psalm he led me. And it's, he's the only other person uh, that I've ever heard that from. And, and it's just, I don't know, a special place in my heart regarding that subject. So Psalm 64, but again, there's a lot of really good psalms. And, and again, you don't pray imprecatory prayers like because we want everybody to die. Um, what you're you're primarily dealing with, with an imprecatory prayer. People think it's automatically, oh, you're praying against people, and Jesus said, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that despitefully use you. Yes, I'm not arguing with that. But when you're praying imprecatory prayer, where's our battle? Is it against a person, or is it against the actual spirits that we just mentioned? Princes and principalities, and are we supposed to bless them? Oh, bless the demons that do me evil. No. Your... Focus in imprecatory prayers are against the devils and the demons and the fallen angels that beset you or your friends or, or Christians. That's where our real battle's at. So when you when you start looking at it in that light, your eyes will come open. You'll be like, wow, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Now, if somebody is just bent on wickedness and evil and God knows the beginning from the end and God knows that person is just going to be bent on evil their whole life, and that person is going to end up taking people to hell because of their wickedness, well, you know, it would be better God judge them in this life than they continue in wickedness and take other people to hell. So again, I don't don't want to say too much more about that. Go up to YouTube, King Scott Johnson, either Psalm 64 or Imprecatory Prayers, and you'll and you'll find it. Or you can try you can try Keenan down on ContendingForTruth.com as well. And I just can't guarantee it's going to play right now. It, it may or may not. We're we're going to be working on that. Uh, so these Psalms are in regarding the Lord dealing with our enemies and for personal protection, and it also is for that. As Psalm 64 states, all men would see and fear. When God judges the wicked, it says all men will see and fear. Who are they going to fear? God. They're going to see and fear and declare the work of God and wisely consider of his doing. See, when God's judgment falls, people end up getting saved. Because when God's judgment comes, people start to think, wow, I, you know, I just can't 
live like the devil, and there's it's not like there's not going to be any repercussions. The worst thing for the world, for this world, particularly in America or, or any place, the worst thing that could happen to us is for the wicked just to go about doing wickedness, and then seemingly there's no repercussions to that wickedness. Isn't that like the worst thing that could possibly happen? Why? Because people won't police themselves. People don't police themselves. The Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But people don't do that in general. Most people that call themselves Christians don't do that. I'm not saying I do it enough. It's pretty hard, isn't it, to judge yourself? So I'm not over here saying I'm Mr. Perfect. But if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when God judges... And God's judgment is coming. Judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. God's judgment is coming to this world, to America, to the so-called church, the 501c3 corporate church of America. We're going to be tried, all of us, not just, let's say, apostate Christianity. We're going to be tried as silver and gold. You know, We're going to be purified. Many will be tried, like I said in that verse. But the more right you are with God when that happens, the better you're going to do. And I'm saying that as much to myself as I am anyone else. So the time to get right with the Lord is now, not later. Not like, well, I'm going to live like the devil now. I'm going to live like this lukewarm existence. No, you're probably going to get sucked up in strong delusion. You won't even know what hit you when all this stuff starts to go down. You need to choose whom this day who you're going to serve. You know, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So, again, these are just some tenets to think about here. Uh, Also, in regard to prayer, there's a spiritual principle that the Lord has made mention to in the following verses. Deuteronomy 32.30 says, How should one one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up? Now, we don't want to be dogmatic about just one verse in the Bible, but the spiritual application seems to be that when two Christians in unity can accomplish much more than one alone, we should uh, really be praying for each other, and if you have a spouse or a prayer partner, that seems to amplify the prayers with greater effect. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 18.20, where there are two or three gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So this verse appears to validate the verse I quoted above. In regard to amplification of our efforts, where at least two or three Christians are joined together in unity. How pleasant is it for the brethren to dwell together in unity? That's what it says, I believe, in Psalms, or in Proverbs, one or the other. Um, Now, witches know this. Covens know this. This is why they will get together in groups of 13 or whatever they do, and they will implement mass witchcraft. And sometimes where they're actually having like these global prayer days, where they're saying that prayer of of, um, invocation. They're trying to invoke Maitreya into our plane of existence. They refer to him as Maitreya. We would refer to him as the Antichrist. Whether it's the Maitreya that share international in the United Nations and World Goodwill are waiting for and have talked about for a long time, and Benjamin Krem, and Alice Bailey, and Madame Blavatsky, whether it's that Maitreya, or whether it's some other variation of that Maitreya, but that's who they're waiting for. That's who they're trying to invoke into our plane of existence 
to implement the coming age of Aquarius, as they would put it, the new world order, they know there's power in prayer. And they know that the more people they can have praying in unity on a demonic level, we talked about Michelle Obama at the start of this, with her prayer circles and these types of things. These aren't aren't Christian. This is demonic. So, that's something to also think about. I mean, you can also look at Psalm 91. I mean, my word, that's a... (laughs) There's so many awesome Psalms. But I mean, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. This is God. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. So you could go on and on and on with this. I mean, uh, it's pretty amazing. And that's just a couple psalms I mentioned there that, that you could, um, you know, pray. I mean, I figure if Jesus quoted scripture back to Satan, you know, that's a pretty safe thing to do, is literally pray scripture. Not, you know, like that's the only thing you ever do. But there is power in the word of God. The the Bible says, my word will not return unto me void. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, I will raise up a standard against him. So, just things to think about. Seventh point, stop any and all sexual sins. Now, I got into this in a recent study a little bit more. Uh, I gave you the link to that study on YouTube, uh, on, on the actual original study that I did. In this teaching, we will be looking at the subject that is rarely if ever preached on in modern-day churches. These are sexual prohibitions outlined in Leviticus 18 and 20. Chapters 18 and 20. This is a very important study, especially needed by Christians in the day and time we live in. Truly much of the body of Christ is being destroyed for lack of knowledge due to not knowing the material covered in this teaching. Unfortunately, there are many things that modern day Christians are doing, many times unknowingly, that are affecting them adversely in both a spiritual and physical way. That's why the Bible says that we are destroyed for lack of knowledge, according to Hosea 4.6. Because they're not getting this instruction in the churches, for the most part. Not, not all, but, but for the most part. Not to say that I'm the be-all, end-all either. Of every, I mean, because I'm not, I'm not a preacher. I'm not, a, uh, I'm not like a substitute for, for a church or something like that, for a pastor. I'm not a pastor. I'm just a watchman. But I'm trying to kind of like try to fill in the gaps that I see aren't being filled really within the modern-day church. So I get into some subjects that, you know, most churches won't touch with a 10-foot pole. Hopefully I can complement what people already know, is what I guess I'm trying to say. So, uh, let's see, let's go further. Much of what we will get into in the study was common knowledge a hundred years ago, but has been slowly repressed then. A lot of the stuff that I bring up in the study, it wouldn't have been debatable a hundred years ago. It would have been like, oh yeah, you don't do that. Well now, it's like, oh no, we have liberty. Well the Bible says, use not our liberty for an occasion to the flesh. So, that's what people are doing. And they're not educated about any of this stuff. So they're being destroyed of lack of knowledge. They're using their liberty for an occasion of the flesh. They don't even think it's sin. And what they're doing is they're really hindering their prayers. 
I go on to say we will look at the shocking whole definitions of sodomy, fornication, intercourse, and also the New Testament text. Some used to justify any sexual action regarding the marriage bed. We will also be seeing how, biblically, these types of sins defile a person in a way that other sins do not. In other words, they do it at a greater level. Another thing I'm going to throw in here before I get into the last point is taking the Lord's Supper. Or some refer to it as communion. Just not like the Catholic communion. Okay, And I think that's very important. We try to do it at least once a week. You know, I get some organic grape juice, some unleavened little like wafer crackers you can get at like the uh, Jewish section of the food store. And um, I'm telling you, you will feel different in a better way if you do that. And what I do, my template for that is 1 Corinthians 11 verses, well really what you should do is read verse 27, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27 through 32. Make sure that you confess any and all sins and try to get right with God as much as you can because the Bible says that um, many have uh, fallen asleep. It says, for this cause, because they've taken the Lord's Supper unworthily, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. That In that context in the, old, uh, in the King James Bible, that means they're dead. They died because they were partaking of the Lord's Supper unworthily. Doesn't mean that we're going to walk around sinless perfection, okay? But we're striving, you know, for perfection through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. See, I think it really matters a lot to God if we're judging ourselves. I mean, I don't think he likes... Personally... I know as a parent, I wouldn't like it if I had to constantly go around chastening, you know, my daughter all the time. I mean, it gets old. Well, I think it gets old to God, too. We're created in his image. I think, but it's, but if you see your own child judge themselves, it's like, wow, that's refreshing. That, I mean, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, if you had a child, and a lot of you do, that's refreshing. It's like, man, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Now, not to say that there's things that we might not know to judge about ourselves. That's why you pray, cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. As it says in Psalms. What are presumptuous sins? Sins that you presume are not even a sin. You're presuming they're not a sin, but they are in God's eyes. Because his standards are much higher than ours. And secret faults. So that's why you pray that prayer. So, anyway. That's something else that I, I think that you should be doing on a weekly basis. You will feel... I'm telling you, just do it. Do that. Do this with the Lord's Supper. Once a week. You will, I, you'll feel better. I'm telling you. Uh, it works. And again, this isn't like the be-all, end-all of like every single possible thing you can do. I'm trying to kind of like hit the high points biblically of some things that you can do to get closer to God, to deal with demonic evil entities that may be besetting you. These types of things. This is These are the weapons of our warfare. Fasting, last point. Now, a lot of people ask me to do a study on fasting, and I just... It's kind of tough because um, 
there's a lot you could cover with this. So I'm going to kind of like hit the high points and there's a lot of other links in this. Actually, I'm, I'm running out of time here. So I'm going to go ahead and go to the fourth part and uh, we'll see on the other side there. We'll pick up fasting in the fourth part.